we are talking finance. Yeah, with Christmas so close, good time to get the finances in order. Stephen Pritchard, a big hello to you. And first off uh, is commodities. Oh, yeah. The commodity market was pretty much stable during the week. Um, the gold price was up half a percent to $1,672 an ounce. And the uh, nickel price was the same, pretty similar last week at $16,479 a tonne. And the crude oil price was up 5.4% to $82.62 a barrel. So it looks like the petrol price is going to go up again, Sarah. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Filled up yesterday. Yeah. Wasn't happy with that at yeah. all. Yeah, and for those people who are looking at travelling overseas or want some US currency or want to buy stuff overseas, it's got a little bit more expensive. Mm. With the Australian dollar down to 70, 76.79 uh, US dollars. Against the British pound, we're 58.56 pence. And against the euro, we're um, 66.23 euro cents. And the equity markets, the Australian, Australian markets again are above 6,000. We're at 6,107, up 1.7% on the week. Uh, the S&P index was uh, 2,594, up half a percent in the week. And the um, FTSE index was down 0.3 to 7,529. So if you're an investor in Australia, you're all right for this week. And a um, few stocks that local investors tend to like is uh, BHP was up 4.8% to the week to $28.69. Um, CBA staged a bit of recovery, up 4% to $80.57. And NIB, the local health fund, is up 3.5% to $6.70. Now, that's done very well for people yeah, who got those shares well. at the float, $0.85. Cents, you know, $0.85 cents, we're now at $6.70. Must be well managed in there. No, I have a feeling it could be, yes. Yeah, yeah. We might see if we can get the CEO out here. <laughs> yeah. I know I was paying a lot with the health issue. Yeah, we won't get into that. Um, and the fuel price, the fuel price was up 9% on the week to $1.37 a litre. And in Sydney it's also $1.37 a litre. So there must be some holidays or something coming up, is there? Always tends to go up with all that. Oh, well, you know, we do have Christmas just around yeah. the corner, so. Uh, and uh, the diesel price is $1.29 a litre in Newcastle and $1.27 in Sydney. So what we might do now is have a short break and we'll get Henry on. We've got Henry Jennings on the line. Henry. Good afternoon, Stephen. How's it going in Sydney? Is it raining down there, Henry? Well, we're not. Well, I'm not that far away from you, Stephen. I'm only on the northern beaches. And it's, the sun is out, the sky is blue. So uh, well, it's good. It it's looks not like, like it's we're in a different cosmos. No, but it looks like it's going to rain up here again. Yeah, it does. Oh, really? It doesn't sound yeah. as nice well, as Well, the sun shines more righteous as they say, Stephen. Well, that's right, Henry. You're probably down there looking at the sun and thinking you're going to be going out sailing with all your profits on the ASX getting to 6,000 again. That would be nice, wouldn't it? Yes. All, all my profits from my lousy betting on the Melbourne Cup. Oh, I had to go. Um, I backed second and third, but I only backed them to win, not to get a place. I had a bit of a sports bet failure moment. I thought I'd back them each way, but I clearly pressed the wrong button oh, and um, didn't didn't work out that well. Oh, well, that's no good. No. So what, what about the ASX getting to 6,000? When, when are we going to get to the past record? Uh, whew, that's a long way away, I think. Yep. Um, 6,000 seems to have taken an eternity. It's, it's pretty much like a decade before we... Uh, before we got to here, um, but it is nice to get here. And not only have we got here, we we've, we've just spent so long trading in such a narrow channel, um, sort of 5,700, 5,800. Um, but the once we burst out with such enthusiasm, there was the, the what we like to call the FOMO, I guess, and people were, were scared of missing out. And there were always cash parked on the sidelines, and it's come to party. So um, 
it's been good. Well, not only we've pushed through 6,000, but we're, we're holding well above it at the moment. And, um, you know, it's even when we see a bit of selling on Wall Street, the market is okay. So, mm-hmm. you know, and then, of course, we're heading into, um, into a seasonally interesting time, shall we say. We tend to get a little bit of uh, weakness as we go into the first part of uh, December and the end of November as the banks go ex-dividend. We've had National Bank going ex-dividend today. So they've lost a dollar thirteen from a ninety-nine odd cent dividend, so a little bit more than the dividends. That's about ten points off the index. So we do get a bit of seasonality with the three of them going ex-dividend. But then, of course, Santa starts ringing his jingle bells, and um, we can get the Santa rally. Yes, and there's a bit of a Santa rally in, in CBA shares, is there? Um, I think. Well, I think the thing that everyone forgot with CBA, when well, well, we all got wrapped up in the whole culture and you know, um, the Austrack issue is that the, the result they delivered some time ago when they knocked over nearly $10 billion was a pretty cracking result. The actual underlying business is pretty darn good. Um, and they've backed this up with a quarterly update, which, again, is a pretty good result. They've got growth of 6%, okay, which is not stellar. But when you put it against the other banks, which are somewhat anemic, uh, sort of three or four, um, it does stand out like um, you know, a sore thumb a little bit, that it's, it's probably got a, a bit of a bad press. So if you can close your eyes, forget the Oz track, forget the Ian the Ref issue, forget the, the whatever issue comes, you know, all that sort of stuff, which a lot of it has been uh, dealt with, um, the stock is, is looking a lot better than it did as, as a pure business. Certainly they have a big advantage in... Uh, in technology and they seem to be doing the right thing they've got out of the troublesome issues and they are resetting the business mm-hmm. and down at myers my my needs to oh. be reset uh, myers needs to actually be put out of its misery <laughs> uh, myers needs to be shot um it's um it's just uh, uh you know, department stores are not an easy game you, you get a lot of traffic coming through the doors on um on the you know the, the uh, cosmetics and the women's mm, fashion. I got some extent. great shoes from there the other day, but that's yeah. by the way. Mm. Well, I mean they, they're good for some things, but as soon as you get past the sort of first floor, it's it's you know it's it's, it's crickets and there's tumbleweed. <laughs> it's it's a bit scary. Um, obviously, um, Solly Lou is uh, agitating from the sidelines for some sort of change. It would be nice to have a plan rather than just being um, difficult. Um, you know, we've seen that with politics, and we've seen that with uh, uh, ex-Prime Minister. Um, sniping from the sidelines doesn't really help anybody, and it's good to have a plan. Um, and we've seen the same kind of sniping from the sidelines um, in Ardent Leisure, which um, has a new chairman. And, um, you know, that, that really is not working out too well for the Ardent shareholders. The share price keeps going down. There's no real plan, and they just lost their CEO uh, yesterday. So, um, you know, I think Maya, unfortunately, is stuck in the mire, and um, it is it is just not looking too good at the moment. Well, apparently, the Maya in Newcastle is already specialing out the, the the Christmas decorations and stuff. Oh, they are. Yeah, they were oh, certainly really? out in full force last week. <laughs> well, if they're not going to get full margin now on those, they never will. Mm. No, no. Well, I, you know, I think you know. Unfortunately, Solly Lou's paid the wrong price for his initial stake um so um yeah it's, it's not not easy it's um, not yeah. an easy game.
And uh, Domino's came out and said they're still forecasting a 20% profit growth, which which seems a bit strange to me, but anyhow. Yeah, well, good luck for them. Uh, um, I must admit, I'm not a big fan of Domino's. If, if you're going to eat carbs, you might as well eat good carbs and they're not good carbs. Um, you know, everyone has always tried to pretend that Domino's is a technology stock. Um, you know, it's, 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 it's a pizza company at its heart. It's a franchise pizza company. It has um, certain master areas that it's allowed to, uh, to, to play in. Um, some of those are in Europe. Some of those are in Japan, which is still a problem. Uh, clearly, the Japanese aren't as enamored with Domino's pizza as the rest of the world. Um, it is getting more competitive locally. Um, and although they try and make it sexy with drones and um, electric bikes delivering your yeah. pizza and your pizza being cooked in a minute, I mean, mm. what kind of pizza can you get that's tasty that gets cooked in a minute? For the God's new sake? quality fresh range, apparently. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> Well, we don't know what it then. I noticed um, my son. So, um, it's, um, yeah, I mean, for, for me, it's still um, sort of under a bit of a cloud. At 42 bucks, it did look cheap. At 49 bucks, it looked a bit um, troppy again. I think you know, it'll probably drift back down to the to the low to mid 40s. Um, I, I really can't see the attraction that used to be a stellar growth stock. It used to be one that produced the goodies even when, um, you know, it said it was going to make 20% and it usually made 40%. And now it's, you know, it's um, saying it's going to make 20 and it's kind of, yeah, okay, really? Mm. Um, so I think they've lost their mojo a little bit at the moment. Yes, and, and Fortescue Metals is now blaming the uh, China for distorting the iron ore trade. Well, it's a bit, a bit harsh, I, I reckon. Um, you know, China is the biggest market for iron ore, so um, if they're going to distort it, uh, it's their market, really. The, the problem with iron ore um, is that it is, um, it is a very un... Um, it's a, it's a hard commodity. It's not like gold where you get a, a nice clear pricing of gold. Um, iron ore is kind of, um, it's a bit of an opaque world in the iron ore market. And of course, there's different grades of iron ore. And one of the, one of the problems that Fortescue have is that some of their iron ore is not the top-notch quality. And the Chinese are trying to um, uh, influence the environment by closing down a lot of the uh, sort of marginal nasty polluters um, and not using as much of that iron ore of the t of which isn't the top quality. So Fortescue are suffering. They're getting a bigger discount for that um, that uh, that stuff that's not the premium grade stuff. So it is hurting them to some extent. And they've even said that, hey, we're going to look at lithium as well. And, of course, we've still got the question mark over the, um, the CEO because Nev Power yes. is, uh, is, is leaving the company next year. He's giving them pretty good notice, and he's done a fantastic job. And he's still talking about um, getting uh, costs production but you know it gets harder and harder when you get to 12 13 bucks a ton how much more can you do mm, that's right that's right and uh over at um 360 capital it's finally won control of asia data asia pacific <laughs> data centers after a long running yeah well this, this is a, this is an interesting one we talked about this before with uh, with next dc which was um the company that hived off um, these data centers. They didn't want to own the buildings, they just wanted to own the servers inside. Um, and then 360 Capital came along and said, you know what, we've, there's more potential in this business, it's undervalued, you're not charging enough rent to NextDC, um, so we're going to buy it. And they have done, they've finalized that. NextDC walked away with their tails between their legs. Um, so, yeah, interesting. So we'll wait and see how it affects the actual NextDC business, but um, hasn't stopped the share price at the moment anyway. So what have we been writing about in Marcus today, this week? Um, I've been talking about lithium stocks. 
exciting place at the moment, especially in in the small cap land. We've seen some uh, you know, we've seen some big big uh, wins in some of these small caps, and it, it's, you know, we've seen the oil price tickle higher. It's broken out of its range. Global growth is going well. So um, it, it's looking good. Of course, everybody, when we get up here to 6,000, etc., starts bringing out the doomsday scenarios. Oh, it's never going to, you know, it's going to end. It's all going to end in tears, etc., etc. It's a bubble. Well, no, it's not really a bubble. We've, we've, you know, we're getting good, some good earnings out of the U.S. Um, we've got still got very low interest rates, and uh, inflation's under control. The world is, is is a relatively happy place, with the exception of a few places. So. Um, there's nothing really to stop things at the moment, so I think we could push a little higher before Christmas. And we still got the f- free inventory. You can still sign up for your two-week free for trial. For our you, our can, you can go to marcustoday.com.au, and I'm, I'm sure we've got some special Christmas um, offers coming along. So, oh, excellent. Uh, so it's always a good time of year, and of course, sometimes you can get a tax deduction in your. Uh, Perhaps they could send your out a friendly accountant like yourself. That's right. And perhaps <laughs> they could better. send out a picture of you in the newsletter. You know, that's oh, it's, it's, it's yeah. not a great picture. No, I saw you on Sky the other week. It was good. Yeah. Now you've brought a guest in for us today, Steve. Yeah, I've brought today, brought today along with us is uh, Joel Fleming from UBS Asset Management. Joel, Joel's one of the portfolio managers down there who deals in uh, smaller micro cap companies. So I thought we'd get him along today to talk about. Um, investing in small and micro-cap companies. And I thought we might start with, Joel, is uh, what, what are small and micro-cap companies and what kind of definitions do you, do you use around that? Okay, I mean, when you think about the um, Australian stock market, the top 100 is um, Australia's largest, most recognisable companies. So the big banks, Telstra, CSL, um, Woolworths, uh, West Farmers, these kind of companies... They are core part of most people's Australian equities portfolio. We're customers of these companies, um, and interestingly, they account for around 70% of the value of the whole market, so those top 100 companies. Now, small caps are the companies that sit below that top 100. So generally, people would say stock 101 through to 300. Um, The next 200 biggest companies are seen as small cap companies. Um, They're usually far more diverse, less industry uh, concentration. The top 100 is very biased to financials, as we know. Um, And small caps cover the whole gambit of the Australian economy. And then sitting below that, um, there are obviously a very long tail of different businesses listed on the exchange. So um, at UBS, we define a microcap company as something with a market value below $250 million. So they're the kind of core segments of the the market that we look at. Okay. And and so... With the large number of companies here, well, why why should people think of investing out of the top 100 and into these small and micro-cap companies? Well, we would always say that you should have a balanced portfolio depending on you know your risk requirements and what kind of return that you're hoping to achieve. Um, the, the most interesting thing we find around small and micro-cap companies is they're a less focused on area of the market. There are a lot of analysts, a lot of business press, uh, a lot of fund managers focusing in on that top 100 area of the market. Um, below that, it really starts to thin out. So there's a lot of opportunities to discover uh, businesses that haven't been discovered by the broader market and that offer some really good longer-term uh, capital growth potential. So as a general rule, we'd say if you're investing in small and micro-cap companies, you're looking to add some long-term capital growth to your portfolio. 
to find some businesses that are emerging, that are perhaps capitalising on some of the changes. Um, the fact that technology is obviously providing lots of uh, opportunities for small companies. And at the end of the day, a small and microcap investor is actually looking to find a small company today that can become one of Australia's leading, leading companies in the future and join that top 100 um, universe of stocks. So it's really all about adding some longer-term capital growth to your overall portfolio. So the people are looking for something like CSL that I think listed at $5.40 and is now $140. Oh. <laughs> there's, there's some fantastic examples, whether it be Cochlear, CSL, um, even the demutualisation of uh, Commonwealth Bank and businesses like this. There's been some fantastic gains. Small companies, um, they're often faster growing than their larger peers. They're taking advantage of changes in markets um, and they're also often growing off a smaller base so it's easy to grow um, and that provides um, some real momentum in their, um, their earnings and that in time is rewarded by the share market. So it really is looking for, um, for companies that are undiscovered and that could add some differentiation, some diversity to your portfolio um, and, you know, delivering on that longer-term capital growth. So what we might come back in a moment and, and talk about is um, are there additional risks? I mean, we know there's additional returns. Does that does that go with the additional risks when we invest in these, the smaller end of the market? Um, yeah, Joel's from uh, UBS Asset Management and he's one of the managers of uh, smaller micro-cap companies down there. So we, we left off where... Um, why we, why we should invest in these smaller companies mm. because there's this old saying that, that the increased return comes with increased risk. So are, are investing in small companies um, for the potentially high return uh, more risky than investing in, say, the top 20? Look, as a general rule, we would say that there's increased risk the smaller the business. There's less liquidity in the shares. Um, so there is more risk as a general rule. We would however say that one of the dangers that people um, may make in investing in smaller microcaps is trying to pick individual names themselves by having a portfolio approach that certainly helps to reduce the risk and it also can bring some diversification approach um, benefits to your broader portfolio which is something that um, can have obviously a lot of benefit at the at the top level of your portfolio um, the stocks are by nature generally stocks that are emerging, they're new business models, um, they're growing off a, off a lower base, um, so that often means higher growth. But they're not the big established brand names that you suggested of the top 20, where they're very long, loyal, solid customer bases, very long trading histories, um, and therefore you are taking greater risk than investing in the top 20 in terms of the volatility of the, the share prices. But at the same time, you're often getting a business that is, um, that is well positioned to, to grow into the future and become much larger. So we would really highlight that, you know, trying to pick one or two names um, can be a risky strategy in this area of the market, as opposed to looking to try and find a portfolio approach to your exposure to smaller microcap investing. So in the in the portfolio, the, in the fund that uh, UBS runs, the, the, how many stocks would typically be held in that? Well, in the small companies fund, there's around 40 stocks. And as we said at the start, one of the great things about microcap and small cap investing is you get exposure across the whole economy. You don't have that concentration around the banks and some of these 
big sectors of the Australian economy, um, whether it be the information technology area, whether it be exposed to stocks with demographic trends. It really does touch many, many aspects of the Australian economy. So you get a lot of diversity there, which is obviously important. Okay, so how does how how does the, your UBS go about selecting which stocks? You know, we've got you know two hundred stocks and we're holding forty. How do we get to work out which forty we're going to hold in this fund? Yeah, it's a lot of research is undertaken on the um, on the businesses. So, from both meeting with management. Um, doing detailed research into the industry and the trends. We're often looking for structural changes in the market. Um, you know, some good examples of that over time have been the classified newspapers versus realestate.com and domain, car sales, seek. Um, as these advertisements moved in online, those businesses generated fantastic growth and fantastic returns for their shareholders. So we spend a lot of time thinking about how industry is changing and finding stocks that are, are well positioned to benefit from that change. Um, you obviously meet with many, many companies. You aim to speak to their suppliers, their customers, and really build out a picture of, um, of the business. Management quality is really, really important. Um, in small businesses, there's often not layers of bureaucracy. There are really a number of key people that are the, the key drivers of these businesses. And it's really getting some confidence that they are um, they are protecting their investment, they're growing their business and they're doing such in a sustainable way. So um, we spend a lot of time looking at a whole heap of companies and very few of them actually end up in the portfolio. So do you spend time actually going out and visiting the company's premises or, or is it all just kind of done in the office? No, it's, it's one of the key things is actually to get out of the office and, um, and, and meet with the, the management team and often try and meet with the people um, that are the key decision makers within the business as well and just understand how the culture of the business works. Um, you know, little things like if the, the offices are, are shiny offices in, um, in the CBD and they, they shouldn't be, sometimes that's an example of, you know, perhaps spending money where, where you shouldn't. And it's, you really get a feel for, um, you know, some of those underlying uh, things that drive the business from the day to day. So that's really important. Little things like, you know, the CEO knowing everyone's name and people, people looking like they're happy to be at work and, and that gives you some confidence that they're they're really trying to build that business and and grow the business going forward so do you ever do any kind of research like uh, peter lynch from the, from the u.s used to do is used to go down the supermarket and, or, and see what people were buying and then go back and look at the companies well i'll, I'll give you a great <laughs> example of that when i i used to go into the the milk fridge um we had our dollar a litre milk and 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 the brands there and then in one little corner started to appear something called a2 and then all of a sudden it was the whole bottom shelf and it was regularly sold out. And then, you know, that was at a, a premium price and all of a sudden there's a lot of milk in the fridge, people are buying it. Um, we see that move into infant formula and things like that. And mm -hmm. that's a, a, one small example. You don't make an investment decision based on, on that, uh, that anecdote, but that was something that you could actually see before your eyes, um, that a product that consumers were obviously seeking um, and that is a business that has performed phenomenally well for its shareholders. 
So there's kind of this really on-the-ground type research getting done as, as, as well. Yeah, I yeah, think... Yeah, uh, the wife shopping basket That's stuff. right, a bit of stalking or investigating, we'll say. Uh, yeah, <laughs> Have you checked out the fridge sorry. here at 2 and you are? <laughs> she, we will a, on the way out. <laughs> it's a... Um, I mean, these are, these are all little pieces of, of information that help build a story. And, um, you know, often when you're talking to a management team, they... They think they've got the best business going around. They're, they're very positive on it, obviously. So it really is trying to build out that picture in terms of what makes a solid investment and what's a business that we can look back in a few years' time and say that it's generated a fantastic return for, our, um, for the unit holders of the fund. And so what are, speaking of returns, what sort of t- returns can we typically respect, expect from these type of oh. funds? Oh, that's a, that's a, it's obviously a loaded question, and <laughs> no, as you know, the, uh, the, you know, past performance is no guarantee of future performance, but our flagship small companies fund has been around since March 2004, and it's delivered 12.3% per annum after fees during that period. There's been good periods and not so good periods, but, um, you know, there are a lot of really good emerging businesses in here. The world is changing very quickly, um, and we think many of these smaller and micro-cap companies are really well-placed to benefit from some of these changes that are occurring. So the return you spoke about is is how much typically would be of, of capital growth and how much typically would be... Um, dividends? The, the majority would be capital growth because we're trying to find businesses that the money, the, the cash that they produce, they're reinvesting back into their business because the opportunity is there as opposed to returning it to shareholders. So it's predominantly capital growth and that's that's how we view this asset class. So, so for people who are looking to invest and want an income, they shouldn't really put a lot of money into the small cap sector of the market. Look, the way that we do things, there are other people that offer more income, but um, we would say that this is predominantly focused for capital growth investors. Okay, well, thanks for that. Joel. That's so much. Yes, Joel Fleming, thank you so much for coming in and um, educating us today. Stephen Pritchard, thank you for putting on an interesting program as always. Thanks, Sarah. Really interesting stuff. Thanks for listening to this podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle. Topics range from gardening to health, well-being, pet care, finance, business and travel. You'll find them all at 2NURFM.com.